Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm an engineer and I work in Silicon Valley. I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela, and I've been calling the U.S. home for the last 20 years. When it comes to Latinos in the U.S., we are 60 million people, but we're only 3% of the workers in science or engineering. As a professional in Silicon Valley, I've had the opportunity to meet some remarkable professionals that work in the tech industry, Latinos like me. With this podcast, I want to bring you a collection of their stories and how they got a job in tech in the first place. And if they had to start all over again, what would they do differently? I want to share with you career advice on how to get a job in tech, how to deal with imposter syndrome, how to find your tribe when you're the only one in the room. This is Latinos Who Tech. This episode of Latinos Who Tech is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's premium platform for audiobooks with over 150,000 titles. If you're like me, you're passionate about learning new things, but finding the time to read may be difficult. Audiobooks are a great alternative. You can get a free 30-day trial plus a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash latinos. Go and support them since they support us. Thank you. Javier, welcome to Latinos Who Tech. Thank you for having me. And you're no stranger to the podcast. <laughs> Definitely before, not. But, uh, but it's funny. I wanted to try this experiment of actually, let me try to do one in English with somebody who's my best friend that I speak to in Spanish every day. <laughs> but uh, it's for the benefit of the audience, right? Because uh, I want to make sure that uh, you have a lot of great experience uh -huh. uh, working uh, here in the U.S., And I want them to get to know you a little bit more and learn a little bit of what you have taught me, you know, working in customer success and startup life and being acquired and, you know, West Coast, East Coast mentoring. So, uh, again, this is for them. Yeah, no, thanks. Thank you for, for having me uh, once again. Uh, yeah, definitely we haven't done this in English with all the... It's always a, a Spanish conversation with some Spanglish there. Again, we tend to forget some words nowadays, at least me. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, it's definitely nice that we can do this again. And I'm obviously very, very humble and, you know, honor that you actually want me to keep helping you share stories to, to this audience. Um, thank you. Appreciate it. And, uh, and I think, uh, look at this as uh, getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah, that's, uh, a that's little for bit. sure. So, so <laughs> that's always nice to do that every now and then. Um, so how do you get into tech? How do you get into this whole uh, technology world? Uh, basically, I was, uh, a very, uh, I was always very into computers since I was a kid. Uh, I mean, my dad was an engineer, so... And, We actually got, my brother and I got a, new, a computer when we were kids. So ever since then, I became like total geek about him. Uh, so I had like a very old 286. <laughs> uh, I think that's what I had. And you could play Prince of Persia on it. Nice. And have fun with that. Other than your regular Nintendo at that point. Uh, I really loved computers from that point on. And, and in school, it was like... I have a computer, and then I was started learning this like Pascal and Cobol, 
And I was just in, uh, I think it was probably sixth grade when I started like getting into it. And I was like, what is this programming like? I have no idea. And it's like, you get so many of these principles. I was like, I mean, it's interesting, not, but it's hard. Like, I couldn't get it. So you have to get like, I have to get through the professor, like every end of my class is like getting into that. Like, okay. Then I finished school and I noticed like, you know, actually I like engineering because I like the challenges and, and, but I, I wasn't sure computer was the thing. So I went through, through electrical electronics engineering because I didn't think like uh, computer science was for me. Got it. Yeah. That's pretty much how I got into tech. And then, you know, one thing led to another as far as going to college or university and the opportunity came, like I was already set to go on to university in Venezuela. Uh, but, you know, during a vacation, basically our parents took us through around like some, some colleges. We were actually here in the U.S. and visiting Orlando and going to nice. Disney World and uh, the Universal Parks. And just throughout it, they were like, you know, we should just check out some of the schools over here and see if you guys like it. And we're like, we were like, what for? <laughs> it's like, it's not like we're going to stay here. It's like, mm, we're like, <laughs> wouldn't you know? <laughs> and uh, it was pretty funny. So, you know, it's like a week before we had him back, you know, my, our parents were like, so how do you guys feel about studying in the U.S.? We're like, what? Are you for real? My brother's looking at me weird and it's like, yeah, um, you're not serious. And I was like, yeah, I doubt it. Like, he's like, are you sure you're asking for that? Like, seriously? But it was, it was interesting. We were not definitely, we were not expecting it at all. So that was pretty, pretty nice surprise. And as well as like, uh, very humble too, because we were like, is this possible? Like, really? And mm. so it, it was nice. For me, I was, I thought it was like exciting, not just surprising. Yeah. And I like the fact that I could speak English. So like, yeah, I can continue doing this. Yes. Uh, and that's how I basically got it. And once I finished school and as an electrical engineer, and, and but I always like computers. So while I was still in school, mm-hmm. like I went to Miami Dade, finished my A, I went to FIU, finished my bachelor's, but I wanted to continue to be close to computers. And my dad had a good suggestion to do like you know, IT certifications and learn a little more about, you mm-hmm. know, how computers work mm-hmm. and how they... Uh, networks and I like one thing led to another and I was able to like get through through some trainings and certs for that in addition to uh, to my university education. I was like, okay, cool. And you know, and basically I finished school and that helped like to me like land my first job apparently. So nice. Um, so it was it was very very nice that I could do that. And my first job was actually in my university in FIU. And I got there as a part of a, a specific project for migrating uh, systems to uh, to newer network from Microsoft. And then shortly after the project, they were like, Chama, would you like to stay? I was like, sure. Like, uh, what's the gig? <laughs> what are you talking about? What are we talking about here? Like, uh, I mean, I was just 
excited that they're giving me the option to work with the team. They're like, well, I want someone for like part-time that's interested in working with customers, or in this case, you, uh, university staff and professors and helping them with all the all of the field team needs. And I was like, sure, sign me up. I was like, we'll be paying you part-time. You just need to keep your, your, uh, your school in check. And I'm like, oh, sure, that's possible, not a problem. And yeah, and then, and then that was first uh, my first gig, at least in tech. Great, great. And uh, how do you spend your time now? What are you into now? Well, nowadays, uh, uh, what happened is uh, basically I am now doing uh, what is called customer adoption management or customer success management. Uh, basically, that's what my role is nowadays. Uh, which is a big change from what I did when I moved into the Valley. So uh, no. so when you say customer success, um, what does that look like? I mean, because the way I look at, at least uh, in the tech space, I see that, great, we build apps, we build hardware, we sell it, and thank you for your money, and that's it. Well, you mean like we have to keep working with the customer when yes, we sell it to them? Definitely. Okay. Uh, what does that look like then? What does a happy customer look like? Uh, how do you know that your customer is happy? Uh, and I guess those are two different questions, but uh, uh, I just, this customer success thing is, is very new to me. And so. um, Well, there is, in most business uh, transactions or, or relationships, uh, there's usually uh, uh, three phases, uh, uh, two phases basically. Uh, there's a pre-sales portion, and then there's basically the transaction basically, and then the the post-sales operation. Then nowadays, most businesses are very focused on making sure that their customers are engaged and are actually. Uh, really uh, focus on providing feedback onto what their experience is. So what happens after someone has bought out of a product from another company and those, you know, those people on the customer side, they want to know how to best use it. I mean, one thing is you come in over, start pre-sale engineer or account manager and show you what their product can do. Another one is uh, what after they bought into the product and they pay for it is the next part is the post-sale part, which is you want to onboard those customers. You want to make sure that they they follow their best practices. They can uh, have a under good understanding of how to use the, the features on their product and take full advantage of what they can do based on what they bought. So that's basically where a customer success or in my case, an adoption manager comes into play. One, because uh, you you are the person that is going to give them the best experience possible. And two, uh, you're also going to be the person who's going to get all the feedback, good or bad, but feedback regardless, because it's going to help you, you know, understand what their needs are, what are the goals, of the of them using the product, and and you as their manager, 
make sure they're successful throughout that, that project, throughout those goals. They could be short and could be long term, but you'll be there, um, you'll be the liaison for that. Got it. Got it. And I think that it's a, it's a great opportunity too, because if you're closer to the customer after they bought your service, your hardware, your software, whatever you're trying to sell, you can see firsthand what they like about it, how they actually use it, yeah. and you could even like take that feedback uh, back to your product teams and actually help them build a better iteration next time. Uh, again, in a perfect world, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a perfect world where everybody talks to each other and... <laughs> yes, definitely. The other thing that, that is important on uh, as, a, as a success manager uh, is for you to be understanding of what that customer, or in this case, it could be a, uh, a director, could be a engineering manager, It could be simply a, a developer lead on a team, you know, whether it's a QA development team or whether it's, you know, an actual design team and want to be able to, to know how to best use it. And that feedback from what, regardless of what area they're in their, in their unit or organization, it's very valuable for you to be able to then communicate back to your product team. Or even if it is not your product team, uh, your management and the support teams that you typically work with to understand, you know, some of the things that have been uh, having problems with understanding or using. Got it. So what does, uh, you know, so what, are, what do the challenges look like then? Right? What are some common challenges that you experience uh, with uh, your customers, with uh, getting your job done every day, every week? Well, the, the, The main thing for you uh, as a success manager uh, or adoption manager is to make sure that the feedback is uh, is ongoing, okay? So you want to make sure that you establish a relationship with the customer, mm. uh, be clear or get a clear of knowledge of what they want to accomplish uh, and how you are part of that you know, of them delivering that goal to their own teams or to their own organizations. And, and that's, that's the most important part. Mm -hmm. The second is to, for you to then understand what your organization, in this case, uh, the place I work, mm -hmm. uh, uh, how can I leverage the people I work with to provide uh, a feasible solution for them? within a time frame that they also need, you know? So those are, those are some things that are, that are key to know and to understand, and then know how to execute them. Mm -hmm. And so that's also part of what is important. So, because, I mean, you're not working with one customer, right? I mean, I'm sure you have a portfolio of five, 10, 20 customers that, uh, and they're all your favorite customer, every single one of them, right? <laughs> Thankfully, yes. Uh, so I'm wondering, Once you solve an issue with a customer, how do you scale it? Because I'm sure that if uh, something is broken for customer A, uh, maybe customer B, customer C might experience that same thing. So how do you make sure that everybody knows that, hey, by the way, this feature here 
break sometimes when you do this. So what, what, uh, what systems, like, how do you scale solutions, essentially? Well, the, the one thing that is, one other thing that is important to know is that because you're engaged with a customer or many, uh, each of them have their own pace as far as needing uh, something from your product or wanting something from your product. So each of them have their own synergy, right? So the, the, the aspect of understanding what each of them uh, want or need uh, is very important because you want to be uh, fulfilling or what do you, you want to call it? You know, you're giving your word that you can actually accomplish mm -hmm. this. So uh, it's a matter of communicating that to your product team or the team that you work with and, and find out what is, you know, the best way to fulfill those expectations. Uh, I think that's, that's very important. Uh, again, every customer has a different deadline or a different goal and there, you still need to find a way to enable the customer mm -hmm. to proceed with their, with a project without being blocked, you know, by, by features on your product that are not ready. So those are things that are, that are key. Now, for me, now in this role, um, right now I'm, I'm part of a team of five, six people that do customer adoption. Mm -hmm. and, and now that I'm, and mind you, remember I came from the support team member, uh, I think I was the only support team member in the U.S. Uh, <laughs> for like a year. Uh, and I'm super happy that, you know, this team, you know, hired me and wanted me to be part of, of this startup because nice. I was basically just growing. Uh, and so BlazeMeter was in the middle of, you know, providing options for testing web applications and mobile applications. And they were just touching the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. So when it came to the point of growing, you know, uh, there were acquisitions year after year, which thankfully I was part of, you know, continuing that experience. Right. Um, you know, and there was a lot of learning and the fact that uh, I was given the chance to continue with the team, that enabled me to grow. And when it comes to uh, passing on to what other opportunities are there for me to help customers beyond the technical aspect? I thought, well, what else is out there for me to, to do? I mean, mm. uh, and I think it was the, after the last acquisition when I thought, uh, you know, there may be another way to help uh, the customers, like the, to bring value to what they want to do, they want to accomplish on, on their own organizations. Uh, and, you know, technically speaking, I was well-versed on how our platform works. Right. And then it wasn't until Broadcom's acquisition uh, came through that that opportunity opened, right? And I was very honest, like, I came back from a vacation, and I was, like, <laughs> very interested on in what else was there for me to do, because I also wanted to, to find a way to grow, because yeah. I, I didn't want to be stuck. I didn't feel like I wanted... I want to want to a point where I will feel stuck on a technical path and not sure where else would that take me. So it was when I asked where other opportunities were there for me to help the team, it was like, 
Well, there is uh, these three options because there was a lot of changes, organizational changes uh, during the last acquisition. So uh, the opportunity to work as a success manager came through and I was like, I mean, I know what they do, but can I do it? And they were like, well, you can give it a shot. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. sweet. Uh, I'll give it a shot. So it was like two, three months of learning what those are. I'm on, I'm on keeping my, you know, my, my position as part of the, the support team. And then uh, giving the chance to, to hold uh, whoever was the last person standing from the success team. And so I thought it was like a, a big, a big chance to grow mm -hmm. into a new role and what, what became basically a new path for me to grow within the company. Mm -hmm. And what shortly after happened, and thankfully, I, you know, the people on my team uh, were uh, super helpful and very encouraging for me to just uh, work with them, shadow them into meeting customers. Understanding, you know, and I know how to ask the customers, you know, what their goals are and how we can be part of that. And to the point you you became uh, a project manager within the actual position. And you have to have these understandings of, you know, who the stakeholders are, um, you know, what are those, specifically those projects do, uh, understanding what are the values that you bring in for you know, when delivering on their goals and then how you can compound that value and then enable them to renew uh, deals with those customers. And those are the things that, you know, I never expect to learn. So when it came to understanding what each customer could do, and then it's, as I mentioned, it became, uh, it became tricky, but then, then you learned yourself on how to best uh, manage what each customer wants, can stay within the agenda that meets their needs, and as well as, um, you know, make sure that it's within the expectations that you set for your team to deliver them. You know, because, you know, not every situation is going to be, you know, as the customer wants, but at least you're there to communicate. Okay, this is what it's been working on. This is what we are knowing you to do until those things are fulfilled and delivered. And those, those are things that were super valuable to me to understand because I want to be able to, to help the people I work with. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I already knew like from the technical aspect, yeah, like how I'm going to do it. And this is one problem and this is solved. I can escalate it. Mm -hmm. All right. It's fake. The bug is fixed and go ahead and like it's delivered and I'll let the customer know and I move on to the next. This is not the case. This was definitely much more in depth relationship. And where you really want to make sure that you're uh, um, accountable for what you're not only sharing but also delivering, and that's that's also very very valuable, I believe, from not only within your team for you to do, but also more more even more importantly for what the customer is getting out of the experience using using our product. Got it. And uh, and after all this uh, journey of going through not one but two acquisitions, <laughs> right? Because uh, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that this happens to. But I mean, because we were working at Blaze Meter, 
it gets acquired by CA Technologies. Right. Then uh, CA Technologies gets acquired by Broadcom, uh, competitor, but they're great. They're great. They make great products. <laughs> uh, go buy them, all of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, and uh, and again, I'm sure a lot of people go through this, right? Uh, but going through this journey and having this uh, radical adaptability, I guess, because uh, I think as immigrants, I think that's one of our strengths that we tend to just ignore a little bit because it's so like, yeah, I live here now, I adapt, uh, I gotta pay the bills, I gotta learn stuff, I gotta network, I gotta learn the language, learn the body language skills, everything, and just move on. But we often just forget about it. And I think it's one of our biggest strengths, just being adaptable. Um, and my question for you is, throughout this journey, what's the proudest thing you're your, what's the thing that you're the proudest of, you know, after this journey? Because it's not every day, right, that your, <laughs> your startup gets acquired twice and you switch themes and you, you know, you, everything happens. So I'll say for me, the most proud will probably be, um, be being flexible or being open to the opportunities, right? Uh, it's a matter of also uh, acknowledge that there's stuff you can do uh, and that you may have done it before in some other way. Uh, it's probably something that you have discussed as a part of imposter syndrome, I believe. Mm -hmm. And if you're very aware of what you, know, what you can do and or open to opportunity of doing new things, it's... It's become like really helpful. So for me, I guess that's what probably uh, makes me feel proud of, of what I can achieve because I am open always to help. And in this case, help the team that I'm part of in any other way or form that I, that I'm, that I need to. And there was a time, I think after the last acquisition, they're like, you know, we were like scrapping for, because we have, we have, you know, a lot of people were either left because they didn't like the change or they simply, uh, were, were, were terminated as part of their transition. And, you know, it was unfortunate, but guess what? We both wanted to, everyone else wanted to make sure that we continue helping our customers. We will be able to, to continue to give value and, you know, be there for each other and the team. I think that's something that pretty awesome that I was able to, to experience with this, uh, with this team at Brock and with the Bliss Meter uh, unit specifically. And the next thing you know is, you know, there are opportunities open for you to simply explore what else is there. And I think that's also why, that's part of it because I guess it makes me, makes me proud of what I can do. Like, I almost have trying to be available to do what else is needed for me to make sure, like, you know, whoever I work with uh, can get the value they need. And that's something that I always had, even since I was a part-time uh, field team engineer at FIU. I guess I always had the right mentality of like, you know, whoever I work with, I'm making sure that I can give them the help that they need it. And I, that, uh, that mentality has continued across through, I think, all of my career here in the Valley as well, and until ultimately here with Brockham. 
and the fact that I can be there for customers uh, in in a more um, uh, in a more closer relationship, it's for me it's uh, it's very important now because it's also part of who I am. Like I I like to be very personal. I like to be able to understand things that they they're going through mm-hmm. uh, as a team and then what they want to accomplish. And then obviously I want to be able to give them the help and the experience they need in order to achieve those things. Uh, so uh, I'm so I'm very happy that I can do those things, uh, especially because the team that I'm part of uh, is also very encouraging and to making sure that if you don't know something, you can ask for it and you know who can you can reach out to. And given the time that I've been with with the company, then, you know, I typically know exactly like, okay, I cannot talk to someone in product or uh, I know who's working on this feature and like immediately reach out to like the engineering manager or the right. dev team that is actually um, developing it and working on delivering it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, be more uh, open to communicate some of those things with with whoever customer is, is needing it or wants it to be part of what the solution they need to use. Got it. So to wrap up, I'm wondering, what do you think are some of the, the skills, the competencies that somebody that wants to have a career in customer success, customer adoption, uh, needs to build? Uh, adaptability is one. Definitely. Sure. <laughs> uh, we, we've made that point. Uh, but I'm wondering what else do you think that a uh, uh, successful customer success manager needs to have on their a toolbox? Uh, adaptability, definitely one. Uh, two is uh, be flexible because the, all customers have their different way to interact. So you need to understand those things from from them. Uh, and it's not just one person you're going to be talking to. You're going to be person talking to probably a team of people. They all have or one different things out of you and be able to provide for them. So that's another thing. And three, be uh, be open to help. You know, you're there to be uh, part of the solution you know, that they're trying to accomplish. So those are that's also another one. In very in three, uh, that's something learned even from uh, from when I started with this team was measure what you can. So everything from, you know, uh, the interactions, the, the the support issues that they have, escalations, uh, you know, measure every little interaction that you can. And that's, it becomes very valuable because also adds into, into the experience that they're having when you use the product. So those are things, the four things are, are key. And I've learned a lot on the way. I've only been doing this for uh, for half a year. And now I get a chance to work with different customers, even from Latin America, which I was, you know, very pleased. Well, very unexpected. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing that I can do that. Mm-hmm. And not everyone gets a chance to really work in, you know, in both languages. Right. And I think that those are the things that are key uh, that help you uh, be a, a successful uh, part of the team on a success team. 
Gotcha. Uh, Javier, no, thank you so much for your time. Uh, anything else you wanted to add? Anything else I forgot to ask you, you wanted to mention? Uh, I believe that uh, if, in, if I would probably give suggestion to uh, someone who's interested in jumping from from a technical point to a, uh, to more of a business role, it, it would be easy, it would be to op be open, like be open to explore, you know, because I didn't think I would probably switch unless I give that a shot, you know. Gotcha. And because you never know how uh, how valuable can you be to your team uh, until you maybe check check the other opportunities that are there. And if there are not even available, you know, if you have maybe an interest or you're curious, like, you know, what are these other teams doing? Like, how, how are you being able to be successful? Or how is it that the customers are giving us this feedback? Like, what did we do, you know? Those are things that are, that are that pique your interest. I think you should go for it. Like, yeah. you shouldn't really uh, stop yourself from it. I thought that would be, uh, I would do an okay job because just because I was not experienced or knowledgeable, it, but uh, it turns out that all, all I needed was some guidance and training from someone in in a different team, and the rest basically is you know the actions led me to to this opportunity now. So I think that. Uh, that's something that would, that would really encourage people to just be curious uh, and express, you know, communicate some more, some more interest you may have, and you you don't know where it will land you. You know, you don't yeah. know what other type of path opportunities can open for you in your career. Definitely, uh, Javier. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me again. Then. <laughs>